Um, so tonight we're going to explore something which, um, if you engage this part of who you are, I believe it will change your life. If you engage this part of who you are, I think it will transform your faith. Um, if you engage this part of who you are, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not, I think it will take your mind, your vision and your life to another level. But I believe that God wants to do something special with this part of your life. However, before we get into that, please stand up with me. I'm going to get you involved tonight. Uh, don't worry, it's not going to be anything scary. You don't even have to look at the person next to you because I want you to shut your eyes. Um, <laughs> shut your eyes and imagine that I have a teleporter machine right at the front here. It can't take you forward or back in time, but it can take you anywhere in the world. Where would you go? Imagine that place in your mind. Picture what it looks like. Maybe there's a certain smell that's connected with that place. Maybe there's a certain sound or people there. Brill. And just really quickly, turn to the person next to you and tell them where it was. Okay, really quickly, so if you're still talking to any other person. Great, and when you finish, please take a seat. Lovely, okay. Did anyone say they'd love to be at Ivy Church Didsbury at the evening service? Was anyone? It's a good job we're not singing that song that goes, there's no place that I'd rather be but here. I, I quite often sung that and thought, what a liar. <laughs> um, not here, though, obviously. Um, Aren't mums great at telling you off? Um, my mum was great at telling me off. Um, the worst thing is when your mum tells your friend off. Have you ever had that? Oh, it's like the worst thing ever. But my mum had something even better than telling you off. She had this look. Did your mum have a look? She had a look where it was just like, man, I'm in trouble. Um, I remember that I got, well, hundreds of times I got this look, but one time my uncle got this look because he had uh, a Range Rover and Range Rover's kind of shut two ways. They're like a little boot that comes down and a big boot that comes down. And he, sh he slammed it on my head when I was probably about as high as a Range Rover boot. And, uh, and I obviously screamed my head off and I turned to my mum to kind of look upset. And she had this look at my Uncle Simon, just like, what have you done to my son? I remember the look as well. When uh, me and my dad, we went to a pretty boring church every so often when I was growing up. And uh, every now and then my dad would get the giggles because it was so awkward. And uh, my dad had this thing where when he got the giggles from behind, his whole body moved. Uh, and so like, it made me and my sister laugh. And so like, I remember looking at my mum when my dad got the giggles and there was this look on her face like, you'd better sort yourself out now. But... One thing I remember is this. About 20 years ago, I've got a big sister called Emma. And uh, she was a stroppy teenager and I was a naughty kid. And we were sat around the dinner table and we always used to wind each other up. But normally we didn't say anything that controversial to my mum and dad. We were kind of respectful in that way, probably because my mum was so good at telling us off. Um, but this time my sister got a bit gutsy and she said this. She said, 
All that God stuff that you believe in, I think it's just a fairy tale. I think it's imaginary. I think you're just getting caught up in your imagination. Guess what I did? I turned to my mum, waiting for the look. And the look never came. My mum and my dad were willing to let my sister choose her belief. And uh, I really, really, really respect my parents for that. They did the same for me. And actually, it took a long time um, for my sister to talk about it again with my parents. But for a long time afterwards, I had this idea that maybe if all we're doing is imagining our faith in God, then that's a terrible thing to do. Imagination something to be suspicious about. Imagination something that we have to kind of shy away from and instead be dead sure that we can prove our faith, that we can kind of intellectualize it. Even as a teenager, I thought like that. But then I realized something. I realized that we're made in the image of the one who has the most outstanding imagination. Have you ever seen the sky on a clear dark night? Have you ever seen the colours of a tropical bird? Have you ever watched a newborn baby? Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror? God has an amazing imagination. And perhaps the pinnacle of his amazing imagination is you. You're amazing. As a human, you're unique in creation. Do you know why? Because you can imagine and create your future. Ephesians 1.18 says this. It's going to come on the screen. May God enlighten the eyes of your mind so that you can see the hope that his calling holds for you. That's my prayer for you tonight, that the eyes of your mind would be opened. This was part of a letter written by a guy called Paul. And I think right here in this verse, Paul's talking about your imagination. So we've all got imaginations. And after all, uh, everything that I thought against my imagination, I found out that imaginations are great. So what about yours? Are you using your imagination for God? How big are your dreams? How godly are your dreams? Because your imagination shapes your life. If you think small, you get small. But if you dream big, at least you have a chance of achieving big. Henry Ford said this, he said, whether you think you can or think you cannot. Either way, you're correct. And the Bible would agree. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And Proverbs 4, 23, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Anyone else ever had that experience? Right before Lent, I get there. Um, pretty fed up sometimes when there's long, long winters and loads of grey days in a row. And uh, I was kind of letting my thoughts shape how I was feeling. Just before Lent, um, for some reason, I was feeling a bit ill. Uh, there was about 100 grey days in a row. I dropped my wife Hannah at work at 7 in the morning, walk the dog around the park and then start work before it gets light and then get home again in the dark. And, you know, it can be that thing. Even though I do the best job in the world and I'm surrounded by wonderful people, sometimes my thoughts can dictate how I feel. 
Because you've got to be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Actually, the transformation for me over the last few days has been starting Lent and reading the Gospels every day. The journey from um, the triumphal entry of Jesus through to the resurrection in a different Gospel. It's been absolutely amazing. I'd recommend it. Um, Your imagination is the place where your vision and dreams are shaped. Let's look at what some of the most amazing imaginers have said over time. C.S. Lewis, he's got to have one of the greatest Christian imaginations of all. He said this, that imagination is the organ of meaning. Can you imagine having an imagination that comes up with the Narnia uh, books? I love those books. And then George Lucas, the guy who invented Star Wars, he says this, you can't do it unless you imagine it. Imagine coming up with Star Wars. And then Albert Einstein said this, imagination is more important than knowledge. Logic will get you from A to B, but imagination will take you everywhere. The true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. And we're in this series, like Anthony said at the beginning, called Daring Faith. And today, the title of the talk is Daring to Imagine. And I'm going to set you some dares as part of this talk. I dare you to engage your imagination, even tonight. And I'm going to pray um, that actually God would open the eyes of our mind. That we'd be able to see what God has for us, see from his perspective. So perhaps you pray with me. God, thank you that you've created us to be amazing. We've got the imprint of the great imagination of the Lord in us. That actually we are given the privilege in all creation of being able to create, to imagine. I pray God that tonight you'd open the eyes of our mind. That we'd be able to see in a new way who we are. Most of all who you are God. And what you want to do in us and through us. In Jesus name. Amen. So, to start off then, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 says this, that faith is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It's the evidence of things we cannot yet see. That, to me, sounds like imagination. I don't know about you. And I want to give you three keys to using your imagination. And the first one is this, that imagination is essential to living by faith. It's being able to see what you cannot see. It's being able to see with the eyes of your mind how another reality could be a possibility. That's what God calls us to do, to imagine something different, to live by faith and not by sight. If you can't see it physically, you must use your imagination. In order to hope for something, you have to picture it in your mind. We have these two kind of uh, symbolic images in church. Communion, where we take bread and wine and we remember the Lord's Supper, when Jesus got bread and wine. There's a reality behind that, but there's also a symbolism, there's a, a picture, there's a way that we have to engage our imagination. And then there's baptism. Again, there's a reality behind that of changed lives where someone goes into water 
as a symbol of their death in Christ and comes out a symbol of their new life as a Christian. Incidentally, there's some baptisms happening here on Easter Sunday evening. If you want to get baptised, if you know anyone who'd want to get baptised, let the office know this week because we'd love to have a chat to you about that or come and chat to me or Anthony afterwards. So baptism and communion are kind of ways that we engage our imagination. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's um, this huge chapter about the heroes of faith. People in the Old Testament who had daring faith to the extreme. One of those people is Abraham, who you've probably heard of. Abraham, when he was an old man, God said to him, he, he didn't have any children, and God changed his name from Abraham to Abraham. Do you know what it means? It means father of many nations. Imagine Abraham at 90 years old, going to Nando's. He goes into Nando's and asks for a table. And he says, oh, what's your name, please, sir? Oh, it's Abraham, father of many nations. That's an interesting name. How many children have you got? It's a bit awkward, actually, because I haven't got any children. Uh, but God said this thing to me. And, do you know, sometimes we have to wait. Sometimes God says stuff. We engage our imagination. But sometimes the fruition of that comes later on. What would you love for God to do in your life? What can you see? What's God said to you that he might do that you've forgotten about, that you're still waiting on? Close your eyes and just spend a minute thinking about those things. What would you love for God to do in your life and what can you see? Two Corinthians four eighteen says this we set our eyes not on what we see, but what we cannot see. What we see will last only a short time, but what we cannot see will last forever. Ten years after my sister got that surprising letter off from my mum, she'd moved to London. And she was actually pretty successful. She did a degree in fashion and upholstery. She ended up getting a job for uh, Marks and Spencers, designing lingerie, and then Ann Summers, and then this other big company. And she was traveling around the world, great salary. She had a boyfriend who had a brand new Lamborghini. Uh, she was doing amazing. But actually, our family couldn't imagine a life change in her life. She'd um, kind of resoluted that the whole God thing was a fairy tale, imaginary. But then we get a phone call one day, and my sister says, at 26 years old, I've joined something called an Alpha course. And um, if you don't know about Alpha, it's this brilliant course which allows people like my sister and maybe people like you to ask questions about life and faith. And she'd gone to one in London at a church called St. James's in Muswell Hill. A few months later, at the end of the Alpha course, she gave her life to Christ. My sister Emma became a Christian at 26. Now, I couldn't have imagined my sister giving her life to Christ. In fact, I wasn't imagining that. I think I should have been imagining that. I think I was playing the role of the older brother in the story of the prodigal son, even though I was the younger brother to my sister. I was in ministry when my sister was 26, and I was thinking, I'm the holy boy, and my sister's over there making all the money, but I'm doing the good stuff. Um, but what about the people you know who are far from God? 
Are you imagining the best for them? Who have you been praying for? Pray for them. Who have you given up praying for? Pray for them. Imagine them being all that God wants them to be. Right now in your mind, close your eyes and think of someone who you'd love to come to know God. Imagine them in your mind. Pray for them. So number one, imagination is essential to living by faith. And number two of my three keys is that great lives are built on great dreams. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21, this is in the message translation, says this. God can do anything. Say that again with me. God can do anything. You know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us, like he did with my sister. So glory to God in the church. Glory to God in Jesus. Glory in the generations. Glory to God forever and ever. What an amazing verse, eh? So... Great lives are built on great dreams. What are your great dreams? What's your vision? Proverbs 29.18 says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Are you perishing? Or are you alive with vision and great dreams? During this Daring Faith series, we want you to unlock your imagination about your future, about your finances, about your family, about giving, about ministry, about your career. Because God has a calling for your life. It's a path to significance and satisfaction. I think if you can't imagine your calling, you're just existing. Without a dream, you're dying. So what's your vision? What's the size of your dream? God wants you to dream big. I think dreaming big honors God. And I want to invite you to base your dream not on what you think that you could do, but base your dream on the size of God. In other words, and what he can do. In other words, let the size of your God determine the size of your goals. Do you know, um, put your hand up if you're a leader. There's a few leaders in here, yeah, good. Uh, who was at the leaders evening last Tuesday night with Nick Klinkenberg? A few people, great. I challenge you to think like this. If your dreams and your vision are not big enough that you have to step up and become a leader to see them fulfilled, then they're not big enough. So I'd encourage you before March the 14th when the next Equip to Lead evening is to write a vision that's so big that you've got to be equipped to become a leader to see those things happen. Then you've got an invite. By the way, um, I noticed something. I don't know if anyone else has, but last Tuesday night, um, it was meant to be about vision and it was really all about imagination. It was about vision and imagination, what Nick Klinkenberg was talking about. It was amazing. And then today, he didn't know, I don't think, but today's talks about imagination. Gathered, uh, which is on Monday, I think, it's all about Tuesday, it's all about prophecy. 
when Brad Jersak comes next month, it's about listening to God. Do you think God's trying to say something? Do you think God wants to equip us to hear from him? I think so. So let's get stuck in with that. Have you ever been told that you've got potential? If you're told that you've got potential when you're 10 years old, it's, it's brilliant because every 10-year-old's got potential. When you're 21, it's like, you've got potential. I can see it in you that actually you're growing up into someone who can do something amazing. When you're in your mid-30s, about my age, it's kind of, if someone says you've got potential, it's probably saying, come on, you need to step up your game here and what are you doing? If you're above 50 and someone's saying you've got potential, it's really saying you've missed the boat. <laughs> so just be aware of that. But not so with God. <laughs> with God, everybody has still got potential. If you're in your 10s, 20s, 30s, 40s, 80s, 90s, you've still got potential. You can still dream big. You can still have a huge vision. Check out Abraham. Check out Moses. Moses left Egypt when he was 40 to become a shepherd for 40 years before he led the people. He was at least 80. So, number three. Doubt is the enemy of imagination. Perhaps one of the harshest verses that I've uh, ever put in a preach is this. If you need wisdom, just ask God for it. Because he's generous and enjoys giving to everyone. But when you ask God, you must believe and do not doubt. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven back and forth and tossed about in the wind. Such doubters cannot decide about anything they do, so they should not imagine receiving anything from the Lord. Wow. Has anyone here got any doubts? I don't want to put my hand up now. But I have. I have doubts. I don't know everything. And I have times when I question things. But I really believe that doubts and fear neutralize what God wants to do in our life. Doubt kind of crushes courage in us. And it takes courage to imagine. You must doubt your doubts. You must move against your fears. There's a story in Mark 9 where a dad comes to Jesus and says this. Please heal my son if you can. Do you know what Jesus says? What do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. And this dad with his sick son says, I do believe, but help me not to doubt. And do you know what Jesus says? That's enough. Bam, right there and then he heals his son. Have you ever cried out to Jesus like that? Have you ever cried out to him saying, I do believe, but help me not to doubt? Why don't you talk to him now? Close your eyes and just say to Jesus, look, here's some of the things that I doubt right now. Help me to believe and not to doubt. Don't be a doubter. Like I said, I've got a list of doubts. 
and questions. When I get to heaven, I think one of the things I'd love to do is sit with Jesus and ask him all the things that baffle my little mind. Don't be a doubter. I don't want my doubts to stop me being a person who lives by faith. I want to lead with faith. I'm not going to let doubts kill my dreams. So finally, as a bonus, I think more than these three keys I've given you, there's one key to a stronger, healthier imagination. Just like your body is feeding it with the right stuff. You can imagine good stuff and you can imagine bad stuff. There's a lot of people bombarding us with imagination, with their imaginations, with things to imagine that aren't right. Their opinions, their visions, their images. And I think the biggest way to oppose this, the biggest way to use your imagination in a godly way is to prioritise and put first a quiet time with God. A time when maybe at the start of the day, you spend a good amount of time imagining with God, spending time out with him, connecting the eyes of your mind to the Holy Spirit, the one who has the most outstanding imagination in the whole universe. Let him fill your mind with vision, with hope, with faith. And then I've got some homework for you. And it's based around two questions. Question number one, what if? What if God is better than you ever imagined? What if he is? What if God's so good that he loved you enough to leave heaven, come to earth as a man called Jesus, live a life that shows us what a perfect human looks like, and then die on a cross in your place. But not stay dead. To defeat Satan. To, to take on your sin. And conquer death. To rise from the dead. What if God's that good? If so, why not you? If that's true, if God's so good, why wouldn't you want to explore that? I'd encourage you to sign up for this course that I mentioned called Alpha. Alpha's happening after Easter in the spring, if it ever comes. And um, it's a great chance to explore some of the massive questions about life and faith. And everyone here has got an invite. Whether you've been a Christian for your whole life or this is the first time you've ever stepped foot in a church. Come and speak to me after if you want to get to know Jesus, but if you want to place an Alpha too. But what if those people in your workplace... What if those people in your street, what if the people in your family who are in a mess right now, who are far from God, what if God's got a hope for them? What if God's inviting you to start praying for them? What if God's asking you to cross your street or leave your desk or get on the phone and make a difference? Because if you're a Christian, why not you? And finally, what about your dreams? What if your dreams are part of God's plan for this world? Why not you to become a leader who leads others? As we finish, I need to finish a story about my sister, Emma. 
because she's now 20 years on from that story of avoiding the telling off, uh, the whole fairy tale thing, 10 years on from being a Christian. My sister, she went to uh, Bible college after completing the Alpha course. She'd quit fashion. Then she moved to Cambodia. And in Cambodia, she worked uh, using her skills in fashion uh, with some of the most broken women who'd been trafficked into the sex industry, which out there is horrendous. And she worked for uh, an organization called Daughters of Cambodia, where she imagined life. If these women in brokenness and bondage could just know that their daughters are the most high God. Then last year, she moved to America to a church called Bethel in Reading, and um, now she works there using art in a way that's prophetic. She uses her godly imagination to create art that speaks to other people. Do you want to see a piece of her art? Go for it. She put this on her Facebook today. She's doing this Lent series. And um, today she wrote this. She said, today... I was visiting a homeless shelter to do art therapy and I met a couple who were staying there. They'd been married for 17 years and said that the past few nights at the shelter where men and women have to sleep in separate, separate rooms is the first time that they slept apart from each other in 17 years. The man had tears in his, in his eyes telling me his story and said that currently being apart from his wife at night is the hardest part of homelessness. So tonight I painted this and I was praying for them to have a new home, to have jobs and cancellation of their debts. That's what my sister can imagine for those people. I could never have imagined 20 years ago that Emma would have been doing that. Isn't God good? Doesn't he want to use your imagination? So will you stand with me and the band are going to come back up and I'm going to pray for us. So... Father God, thank you that you've, you've chosen to use people like me if we only open our eyes to you and open our hands to you. God, I pray that you'd stretch our vision. You'd give us great dreams for you. You'd help us to imagine the people and the places where we set our feet and where we live our lives to be different. Let's imagine that kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. And as we go out of this place, let us live as if that's a reality, God. In Jesus' name, amen.